What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Now, guys, today's guest is a very special guest. I am sitting here with Charles Forsetto. Now, to give you a little bit more background story on how I met Charles, we actually met uh, a week and a half ago through a virtual networking event that I woke up for at 2.50 a.m. in the morning. Now, Charles lives on the other side of the world um, in Sydney, so... Uh, I'm going to let Charles, of course, introduce himself, tell you guys a little bit more about what he does, his background story, how we got to this point, why I wanted Charles on this podcast. We're going to dive into that in a second. But um, Charles, the floor is all yours. Cheers. And, and thank you, um, absolute gentlemen, for having me on the show today, considering we're sort of based on all four corners of the earth. I'm based here in Sydney, Australia, beautiful weather outside. And look, it's what an incredible 2020 we've had. Uh, clearly, the world has changed, and it's all about discovery and uncovering, understanding. You know, you know, during COVID, we've all, in one way, shape, or another, been enforced to pivot and embrace and learn and, and embark on brand new markets and new journeys. So, through you know, obviously meeting through the Celeste Ansel. Uh, networking group via LinkedIn. Uh, and look, I've been in and out of the US. I've, I've even been to Miami. I've lived in New York uh, quite a few occasions. And I love the states. I love the energy. I love the vibe. And uh, look, um, where are we placed today in terms of what my markets and what my clients uh, perceive me in a professional sort of capacity? Uh, as a money expert, coach, uh, and financial well-being uh, mentor. Uh, I'm a Bitcoin miner, uh, cryptocurrencies, meaning we manage and provision all the individual transactions across the internet. So we process all the transactions cryptographically across the internet on a day-to-day -day level, opposed to trade and buy purchase models. But look, in terms of real estate, uh, I'm a look. I'm a student of Grant Cardone, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and various other mentors across the board. Uh, property has been a look. Property has been a, a game. And when I say game, I don't use the term game in a sort of a, a negative or poor sort of context. But we all buy real estate, whether we click with a home, whether we're moving on with our journey, or whether we're looking to sort of, you know, inherit a bit of a passive income. So, you know, I've got, I actually am a, an active investor myself. I own three properties in the US and I've got my retirement home in Italy, uh, all actively rented out. Um, 
I've owned real estate here in Australia. However, now when I say however, where there's a bit of a but, uh, 2020 and, and COVID has kind of injected a bit of a, what we like to call here in Australia, a bit of a spanner in the works, uh, where if I was to sit in front of a client, they say, Charles, look, I, you know, quite passionate about real estate and I want to get into the market. And, this and I say, well, the question is, what are you actually looking for? You're looking for a home to move into or you're looking to actually create a bit of wealth or make some money or move some money or inherit that sort of passive income. Unfortunately, those conversations have kind of changed. Uh, you know, unemployment levels been at a record high. The entire world has come to a standstill. And that's going to impact both commercial real estate and residential real estate. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of agents listening on this right now. And I can guarantee the majority, because they're employed by that particular space, they're going to disagree. So I guess it really comes down to, look, I'm highly passionate about property. However, when it comes to various asset classes and educating the space across the board, I tend to say to my markets, just be mindful. Don't be sold on the hype. Run your, do your research. Do your due diligence. Make sure that every opportunity whether you're looking to invest, whether there's been a consideration, or whether you want to understand money, do your research, check the origin, check the reputation, check the success of that opportunity. Like Bitcoin, you know, my attention at the moment is centered around gold, silver, precious metals, and Bitcoin. And there's a reason for that. My clients rely on me I take a huge responsibility when it comes to freeing up their capital. Now I've got to serve an opportunity or give them access to resources and knowledge where it's going to be profitable. There's no point in me serving an idea that's backed by debt and is an unstable space. No point. <laughs> so ladies so and gentlemen, yeah. I want to ask you this, Charles, you know, you're, you're diving into a lot, which I love, but what, mm. what, what sparked this for you? Why, um, what, what got you to, to the point where you could actually really understand financial literacy so much that you could act on it. You could have properties here. You, you know, you mentioned you have properties in the U S you got the retirement property, Bitcoin too. I can tell you this now, quick, short story. I'm in the real estate and I do Forex day trading. I got to this point because I went broke prior to getting here. So I had 11 cents to my name and looking out of the whole real estate trading, all of that made sense. That's what sparked it for me. So what got you on this path today? Well, being a migrant in Australia, I was barely 12 years of age, landed in Australia with my parents. I grew up poor. I didn't have a cent to my name as a kid. I started, I grew up in the hospitality and construction space. I was working in kitchens at the age of 14 on weekends just to pay for my education. So I had, a, I guess, a bit of a different upbringing to your traditional teenagers where you're out partying or whatever, you know, recreational lifestyle, or whatever you like with sports and so forth. 
So my objective as a teenager living in Australia is I want that car. I want those shoes. I want to take out the hot girl. Those were the objectives. So I said to myself, money became a core objective because the financial education wasn't given to me in a school classroom. So I said to myself, I don't want to be in this position. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be job hunting and, and sort of in those transitions around my life. I want to understand the history of money and what it takes to be wealthy. So I said to myself, number one, work hard, but work smarter, but surround myself with business owners. If you want to look, bottom line is this, if you want to be rich, or if you want to be financially wealthy, if you want to be fit or healthy at the gym, whatever the case may be, surround yourself with professionals that are in that space. If you want to be wealthy, go and copy what wealthy people do. And that's what I did in my early years. So imagine, you know, being 16 years of age, being broke, uh, you know, poverty, you know, because I was, you know, being born in it, I was born a recession and I know what it's like to be broke. So I said to myself, how do I get to this position today? So it's just, you know, I've spent the last 25 years analyzing financial markets, looking at the history of gold and where money started. As I tell you something now, I've had skeptics over the years say to me, oh, but Charles, money, you talk about money doesn't buy you happiness. And I'll tell you something now, how do you put fuel in your car? How do you buy your home? How do you live? Now, money doesn't buy you happiness, but I'll tell you something now, it's better than being broke. It's better than being poor. Come on, come on with it. Come on with it. Telling you. Yeah, I come on with it. And I'm sure I'm gonna cop a lot of rap for this. People say money doesn't buy you happiness, BS. Yeah. BS to that, because I'll tell you something now, it's not the ultimate internal drug, but health. If you're financially well, well off, you're going to be a lot more motivated. You're going to be a lot healthier. You'll be able to, to drive it and eat good food and live a great lifestyle and be around people, travel and, and live the lifestyle you want. So that was my, one of my, I, I was, I was hungry. As a kid, I said to myself, I can't live like this. I can't. I'm not going to say, look, my parents made a great decision by coming to Australia. Australia is a country full of opportunity. And I came here and I took it. And I said to myself, if you want to be a certain person, well, we kind of surround yourselves with the right people in your life. Be persistent. But when I say be persistent with your behavior, be selective. Don't go out and practice all the wrong actions every day because that will lead you to a poor result. And yes, be consistent. So I said to my, read a lot of books. You know, this is probably Robert Kiyosaki. Now, this is one of my Bibles. This is probably one of the most powerful books I've ever read in my entire life. You yeah. get up early. I'm all about failure. I'm all about learning. Now, how come I've come across some of the working class and I, I tend to find they're a little bit too proud to admit that they fail. May I fail every day. 
and I'm proud to admit failure and learn by those mistakes. I tell you one thing, Charles, I failed my way here. I would be lying to you if I think I, I, I failed my way here. And uh, in fact, you know, you, you know, you mentioned a little earlier in terms of just networking, how this pandemic has put everyone in a different position. So now I want to say I'm stretching myself more, but I, if before the pandemic, I wouldn't have never thought to wake up 2.50 in the morning, right? It's forcing everyone to get on really uncomfortable. Um, I actually wrote one of my first books during the pandemic. I launched my coaching business during the pandemic. I actually launched this podcast during the pandemic. So it's, it's been a lot of, just a lot of time. I tell you what, um, for me, you know, I know you have a huge, you know, sales background, you know, um, in terms of a sales engineering mentor um, and just residential real estate. Uh, prior to me getting to this point, I was, you know, selling tickets on the streets of Times Square in New York City just to get by. So I was meeting tourists from all over the world about making those personal connections. So with you, Charles, one of the things that I've no I, I noticed when we were sitting in a virtual meeting, um, I believe you said, I think you spoke after me. I can't remember, man. I was like halfway dead. But you spoke and it re like really resonated with me. And I'm like, yo, I've got to get this guy on the podcast. He's a mindset coach, educator, economist. Um, sales engineering mentor, residence real estate. So I really want to pick your brain. I kind of want to jump back into real estate. Um, what got you to this point? And why have properties in the United States and you live all the way in the street? I know it makes sense. I, I know, but my audience needs to know why. Little secrets when it comes to buying real estate. You've got to take the emotion out of the buying process. And there's a reason for that. Any asset class, whether it's a truck or trailer or a machine or property, the point of making that investment decision or choice is to create what we call cash flow. Without cash flow, you cannot run a business. Real estate is no different to that. It's like running, if I open up a coffee shop, coffee shops, restaurants have associated costs. How the front up costs and management costs. Real estate has the same parallels. So reality is the US pay a certain currency. Um, it's a lot more affordable to buy real estate in the US. It's a hell of a lot more affordable and more feasible to get the finances. And the quality of the construction in the US is much stronger than what it is here in Australia. Not dismissing property quality here in Australia. Every continent will have various frequencies of quality in the home building and environment. So here in Australia, we've had a bit of a, a you know, a, I wouldn't say a property crash, but a property decline in terms of costs of purchase have gone up here in Australia to the rental yield. So mathematically, I found investing offshore in the US, I got treated better, more affordable. The conversion rate from USD to AUD is a hell of a lot more attractive than receiving a rent here in Australia. So quality, feasibility, it just made mathematical more sense. Now, People say, oh, but you've got to go visit the asset or be through to home. I say, I've got three properties in the US. 
I've never taken one foot in either property because there's no need. It's about creating cash flow. So it comes down to it's a numbers game, whether you like it or not. That's the truth, that's reality. And you've got to buy in places. Yes, look, being a student of Grant Cardone, he's a firm believer of touch and feel of the property, and I agree with him. However, for myself, from based on my personal own journey, owning real estate, I found investing offshore. And, and part, of, part of having an adequate mindset when it comes to any investment, we now have to think global and we have to think in a three-dimensional fashion. Go where you're treated best. Go where you can build those relationships and create a portfolio where people are going to look after you. So I, and look, Australia, unfortunately, we've gone for a bit of a change in circumstances. Properties here are no longer feasible. Look, you spent a million dollars on a home here in Sydney. Unemployment, unemployment levels are far too high. Rental yields are under negotiations with property managers. I don't see the rental year. I just don't see it as a return on investment here anymore. And that's, look, that's my personal, uh, I guess, advice. Um, not dismissing the idea here. However, like I say, with any investment, you've just got to really do your research and look at the numbers. If the numbers don't stack up, you don't go ahead and make that choice. Don't, we look, we buy on like, meet, know, and trust. There's gotta be a trust, I like, I believe in what your products and services, but people buy people. When it comes to property, it could be a shed in the middle of nowhere that's gonna pay me $20,000 US a month. I'm gonna buy that shed in the middle of nowhere. So see how I've taken the emotion out and I've bought, well, it sounds logical, it's rationale. So, Really, um, yeah, just be mindful with your buying decisions. And look, the property game has changed all around the world. Um, I know that a lot of professionals are looking at Forex trading, trading Bitcoin, various decentralized networks and, and different models out there. I'm all for it. And it's just a matter of what do you, what do you want? What do you need from an investment? Is it, do I want access to cash right now? Or is it more of a longer term investment? And then looking at the risks and everything else and really understanding the history behind the movement and money. Real estate, look, real estate has been a passion of mine for a good 40 years. Uh, I've been an active investor for the last 30 years, both overseas and here in Australia. And I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of peaks and troughs in property. Um, would I invest here in Australia again? I, as you can see, I'm hesitant. There are a few buts because at the end of the day, you've got to look at the numbers. It's a numbers game. Investment, cost of acquisition versus the ROI. There's got to be an equilibrium. If that doesn't add up, I don't make that buying decision full stop. So looking at, you know, marketing budget, right? Marketing budget, real estate with me, um, just to piggyback on, you know, what you just said in terms of this real estate. Um, I was really focused on building my capital through real estate wholesaling. 
and, f yeah. and virtually flipping these these properties and deals. Um, mm. What I've noticed, Charles, with me in, in doing that specific method, it's it's a lot of marketing. You know, I sat down with Michael Zuber, a real estate investor and author of One Rental at a Time, and he was telling me, he said, Yahavi, you know, the funny thing about real estate, it, it's not about real estate at all. It's really more so about the mindset. So, you know, I was, I was really, like Charles, I was really stuck on the fear of, the fear of failing uh, so, so much for, for eight months that I, I was crippled. I, I didn't do anything. Um, so in terms of building passive income, there's so many different ways, you know, I would love to sit here and talk to you about real estate for three hours because you you seem like the type of person I could actually do that with in terms of like picking your brain, talking about the, the buy, rehab, uh, rent, free finance, repeat, uh, virtual yeah. wholesaling, Airbnb, being properties, wholesaling, all, all you know, so many different methods. Um, oh, what do you, what do you say? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, I don't want to say too much knowledge is a bad thing, but you, you're very knowledgeable. Mm. What do you, do you pay attention to your, your, your prospect clients, uh, pain points in terms of, Oh, like, okay. Brenda's really struggling financially. Should I tell her it makes more sense to invest in real estate or should I say, Hey, Brenda, why don't you, you know, go about it this way? How do you go about making the financial recommendations for your clients? Yeah. So I look at the present state, the condition mentally and emotionally, uh, their working environment, their life, their history, any sort of uh, external barriers, family, divorce, you've got to look at all those factors because they will uh, can sort of temper goal road mapping moving forward. And look, I've got clients that are currently on job seeker here in Australia, they're unemployed and I've been able to help because at the end of the day, we've all this, when you look at money, there's three types of income. You've got an earned income, which I'm going to sacrifice time, effort, interaction and opportunity cost and apply my time and resources to a boss or to a manager and work and generate an income. We've all, there's no way of getting out of that until you're at a point where you're due to retire. So in your early stages of your life, I say, yes, we've got to generate an income, but the key difference is what do you do once you've got that income there? There's a step in the process. Because at the moment, we're in a trillion dollar deficit, right? Uh, we're in a recession, a global recession. Your money in the bank right now, which is what we call a traditional centralized authority, that's bound by inflation. So when you go to the groceries, $100 US, you're coming home with less goods. Our wages aren't keeping up. 2021 we're stepping into what we call hyperinflation and stagnation. Now I'm using a lot of key words here. Please do your research. What do I say to someone that's in a bit of a crisis? Look, let's start as we eat a cake, step by step from start to finish. So we're going to work right. Let's generate an income. Next decision. Let's move that capital around and start small. Baby steps, get, get, get your feet wet in the water. You don't have to make huge leaps. If a client says to me, Charles, I'm so passionate about property. I've never tapped into the market. What do I do? I say, look, let's look at, let's say, for example, flipping a home. You know, that's a strategy which 
given the geographics and the demographics, that's a recommended strategy because you can invest at a lower scale, renovate and flip, and cash can be created depending on territory, location, and the infrastructure. There's a whole list of variables that have, to, you've got a bit of a checklist, tech, employment, vacancy rates, infrastructure, transport. Do people want to actually live in that area? And this is a key factor which people tend to forget. I get a lot of markets saying to me, Charles, I want to buy a home next to a railway station, next to an airport. And I've said to, I've said to my markets this year, I say, well, number one, how often do you require an airport? How often are you going to jump on that train to go to work? From what I can gather, you're working remotely. We can't go anywhere anyways. Is that really a selling point? Do people want to live where you want to buy? And then they scratch their heads and go, well, it's not very busy. So there's certain factors that we've got to consider in the current climate, as in whether Airbnb. Airbnb is a great strategy. It's been impacted by COVID to a certain degree. Airbnb has management and associated costs. It requires you to either allocate resources to manage that property, or I've got to physically manage that property myself. So there's time, effort and interaction, which poses a cost as well. Now, here in Australia, what's a growing topic of conversation is a disability structure where we're an aging society here in Australia. We need to build homes for the elderly and the disability. However, there's a bit of a challenge with that strategy because we continue to print money. Digitization, we're exhausted our budgets locally here in Australia. What that means is the more we continue printing money, the more the value of our dollar depreciates. And what that means is uh, life grows more expensive. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called inflation. That's called your wages isn't meeting. There's no, you've got your wages on one hand, costs of living on the other. The equilibrium is imbalanced. That's what we call inflation, which means the more our governments print and digitize our monetary policy, the less our dollar is worth, which is why we're looking at property. We're looking at, can I get access to cash quickly? We'll go on a Forex and trade. We'll manage a decentralized network of fiat, fiat currencies and go with the gamble. Is it scalable? There are question marks. Is it a bad idea? No, it's not. But like I say to every investor, just be mindful. Do your research. Take your advice from someone that's had a bit of success in that space. Not necessarily someone that's had too much negativity or poor experiences. Just be mindful and be careful where you're looking to invest. I'm an educator. I've never, I don't go out of my way to craft or push a narrative. I'm there to educate my markets and my clients because I get a lot of referrals just in from non-clients. They say, Charles, you've been great. You're not pushing mining Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because I'm all about diversification because in the next two to three years, 
next year will be the financial battle. We're, walk, we're stepping out of this uh, COVID sort of challenge. Next year, everyone's going to be looking at our pockets and thinking, excuse my French, shit, what do we do now? We've been out of work. We've, now we've got this financial battle on our hands. We need to sort of, we're looking at property. Where do we look? What country? Don't be shy to look offshore. Don't be shy to say, look, let's try a disability. Can we, re, can we re-engineer Airbnb? Because Airbnb has had years of success. I have airbnb my unit out in Miami on the odd occasion. Not anymore because of travel. Due to COVID, I put a stop to the Airbnb. People said to me, Charles, why would you stop such a strategy? Airbnb is great. Well, the world's changed. No one's traveling at the moment. When you see tourism and travel, up until about a year ago, my unit in Miami, I was turning over families and couples and, and, and travelers on a month-to-month scale. I put a stop to that in January this year because my gut said, hey, we're not going to go anywhere. No one's going to be traveling. And I opted to rent my unit out full-time. So it's me going with the shifts in trends. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going with a strategy that is going to serve my appetite. I go with a strategy that's going to create cash, guys. It's going to make me money. If I'm going to open up a coffee shop tomorrow and people aren't allowed to leave their homes, why would I, why would I want to run a coffee shop where people can't leave their homes? That financially does not make sense and it's not going to create cash. So does that, does that help sort of... Uh that helps that helps big time which actually yeah. just leads me right to my next question which makes it easier you know um finding opportunities creating cash flow yeah. um let, let's talk about linkedin right i we i gotta i have to spend time talking about linkedin um in previous episodes in previous episodes i've i did not spend enough time talking about linkedin charles i want to give you the floor here and really really dive in in terms of just like your their investment on that you're seeing in return from you know your time that you spent on linkedin oh look linkedin has been a uh, we can call it a a platform or a vessel or a tool for connecting and building relationships and and i come from a uh, i used to run an agency here in sydney uh called strike for sales where i would have a team of consultants pick up the phone and actually make those cold calls without the use of a script. So part of being a B2B leader, and I get, I get, look, I get, I get approached on the odd occasion on the regular sort of level once a month by various creators of software or suppliers within the building environment where they're great creators. However, they haven't got a single client and they haven't got that either that marketing advertising or sales strategy. So they deploy me as a resource, as an asset and said, look, what tools can we deploy or what resources or what strategies or what models? And in the last two to three years, LinkedIn has been my absolute baby. It's on a global scale. You can do your research. You've got direct access to decision makers. You don't have, you, you can avoid wasting time with various markets by looking at their profile walls and saying, look, 
gut feeling, you and I, we're going to click, we're going to get on, and I can see there are potential synergies between us. I'd love to have that conversation with you. That's what LinkedIn is all about. Now, I, my inbox, I get pitched on a day-to-day -day level from various, uh, this includes trolls and scammers within the Bitcoin space or trying to sell me this and that. And I say to myself, I try to avoid wasting energy and time on, on that particular trolls are out there and sort of really filter through the space. But LinkedIn is all about making connections, but more importantly, what you do with that connection and really making an effort with the conversation. So when I approach various connections, we establish that synergy, I build that conversation, I really nurture that relationship. It's not like, hi, see you later, what do you do? And then walk away for 20, for a day. Really making that effort and really enriching relationships. But more importantly, LinkedIn is the number one B2B channel where we can all collaborate and exchange ideas. We can all make friends, beautiful friendships. I've created some fantastic relationships, both in a commercial capacity, as well as at a personal level where there's a referral space. There is a networking space where we're meeting Look, at the moment I'm meeting celebrities on LinkedIn it's, it's, and being able to interview professionals all around the world and say, look, how can we together as a unity, as a team, as a global team, really work and help each other out? Whether it's from a, you know, whether it's, it doesn't even have to be profitable. Just by, you've got to understand, I treat every single person I meet as a potential client, because they can either be a potential client or they can refer new business your way. So no, LinkedIn has, has certainly uh, helped me, especially in the last couple of years, because we've migrated, you know, the whole cold call environment I wouldn't say the cold call is completely redundant. I do offer tips and techniques to my peers and, 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 and colleagues here in Australia. It has changed to a certain degree. There are ways of navigating a conversation over the phone where LinkedIn acts as a buffer for those conversations to take place. So your calls are a lot softer, smoother, my prospects have had the opportunity. I've got a YouTube channel. They look me up and say, Charles is for real. He's got some presentations on his LinkedIn channel. He's got quite a few endorsements. People have that time to digest who you are. And then obviously I use LinkedIn channel as that platform to, to, to connect. But the gold is what you do with that connection. Don't just have a million followers on LinkedIn, guys. Make sure that there's some credibility. I prefer to have quality opposed to quantity, but yes, LinkedIn is great from a viewer's perspective. Having tens of thousands of followers, you want to go and broadcast an idea, you'll attract more viewers. Yes, not denying that. But from a sales perspective, 
if I've got a client, they're going to part away. If we're, if we're presenting multi-million dollar solutions, rest assured, you are required to having those conversations where it's face-to-face -face or via Zoom. We're not getting out of that quite easily. So just not exhausting LinkedIn from a transactional perspective, but more from a, a relationship building point of view. And being an articulate communicator is, you know, in providing content that's going to resonate with that particular market and that audience. And my biggest rule of all, and I and I say this to all, all of the all the sales professionals that are starting out in the industry, ladies and gentlemen, stop selling. I'm not suggesting sales is a bad word. People want to buy. They want to be looked after. Be authentic. If you're going to provide a service, tell it straight. If you're asked a question, don't hesitate. Answer that question. That's where trust is established. I am more willing to spend my money with you because you didn't try to sell me anything. And I, I think that's just natural with everyone else. Oh, I've coached, recruited, I've sacked more sales jockeys in the last four years. And they came to me with 20 years, big resumes coming from large corporate environments. They were too busy talking about themselves at products and services. It's not about me. It's about you. If I can connect what you need and what you want and listen, listen that's going to compel preceding conversations be a bit humble be gentle stop you know a lot of a lot of trainers out there are training their real estate agents oh we need to close more deals oh guys the numbers aren't out here let's go out and close and close and close what on earth are you sales trainers talking about Go out, build a relationship, secure the friendship. Go out. I've kissed a lot of frogs in my 25 years in business. Not once have I ever asked a prospect, are you interested in my products? Never, not once. I say to a prospect, by the way, are you familiar with Bitcoin? Has it ever crossed your path before? And they look at me and say, yeah, I've heard about it, Charles, but I'm a little bit unsure. There's been a bit of negativity. Soften that exposure first. You're going to gain a lot more momentum in conversations. People will want to talk to you more. And people will respect you more than trying to craft and push narrow. And the same with gold and forex and traders. Look, I, I'm a forex trader myself, and I, I've got clients that have lost money forex trading, and they've asked me, oh, what would I do? And I say, look, you've got to understand certain models are tailored for certain needs and wants. You've got to tackle and understand and be around the right people when making those choices. That's important. And that's not me. I, I would never speak poorly of a model, never have and never will, because every system offers a different type of service. 
through different times in your life. And it's a matter of taking advantage of that service when you need to, when you want to, when you feel, feel fit to. That's exactly how I feel about this podcast. I can tell you this now. Um, you know, inspired by LinkedIn, really inspired by LinkedIn uh, from entrepreneurship and self-improvement from that standpoint. Um, everyone that I connected with, all of my previous guests through LinkedIn, through LinkedIn, through LinkedIn, and Shaper too, another networking app. But, you know, a lot of inspirational people. And I can tell you this now, I, I love to pick everyone's brain. I'm a student to success. And, and that's why I'm, o I'm always quiet on my interviews. I always let my guests talk more than me because yet for this moment, I, I really want to be a sponge to the game. So which leads to my next question. Um, I launched my uh, coaching consulting business, St. Clair Sales Coaching and Consulting. And um, for me, Charles, I'll be honest with you, you know, going from, I would say the streets to the stage, right? Selling tickets in Times Square, New York City, having that sales experience in the street, you know, you know, turning that, that I want to say the quote unquote, that street, turning it corporate, right. And, and wrapping it up with some bubble gum wrapping and, and putting it up on LinkedIn. It was a little different because I, like you said, stop selling. I was selling so much. And another thing is, which is new. I don't want to say, Oh, because I'm a, a millennium. I just think that's just nonsense. Um, you know, just really learning how to work LinkedIn, how to prospect, how to find prospects without being that, that pushy person, as soon as you accept the connection, you go about that w without, like you said, without being salesy. So I, <clears throat> obviously, from a profile perspective, being very clear about what you do and what you specialize in, but from a prospecting perspective, look, I do a lot of research, uh, various groups on LinkedIn, being a part of those groups and feeding into those conversations. Uh, sales Navigator, is quite a common tool to use if used properly. Uh, understanding <clears throat> when it comes to targeting a certain market for a, or a particular industry, understanding your geographics, you know, what's my territory? Understanding which space in the world or which country in the world do I see will be of a fit for this particular product, idea or service, number one. Then I look at the demographics. Who is going to be most likely the purchaser of my goods? And then the most important are the psychographics, the needs, the fits. I'm really looking for a gap in that process. So doing that research, I, through Sales Navigator, I tend to populate various data sets and records, various C-level executives, from various industry organizations and then I'll segment them and categorize them and then I will propose the invite and flick them a very brief 20 second pitch or a note that's going to captivate their attention but before I even go that to that stretch know your markets don't ask your markets what they do. If, if I'm a mechanic, know why the, the public come in to get the service their cars because they, they're driving the So you've got to really understand what your, their needs. If you've got a portfolio of clients, then it's more of, so my clients work in the medical space. So I'm going to look at GPs. I'm going to look at doctors. I'm going to look at nurses. Stick to that space because you're, current client challenges will reflect on the challenges on your prospective markets as well. So if I've 
faced a challenge, I've got a recent client acquisition, use that case scenario. That's a real life case scenario, which you're not selling, but you're sharing that case scenario with a new prospect. By the way, I was able to serve XYZ down the road. This was their financial or IT challenge. This is, was our holistic approach to, the, to that challenge. And this is what we implemented for them. And this is where now business continuity has been enhanced. And we're looking at enabling growth and cash flow for the next two quarters. And add some numbers. Don't just be vague, oh, I worked with ANZ or I worked with AMP down the road and spoke to Joe Blow and we had a great chat and they made a lot of money. Not gonna work. People have heard that rubbish before. B, show numbers. I created $20 million worth of business for that particular client back in 2019 on this specific date with that key decision maker. Be specific in the work that you've achieved for your clients. I've been surrounded by, I've been pitched by a lot of coaches and sales trainers here in Australia trying to sell me. I've helped thousands of people make lots of money. Do you know how mediocre that sounds? I've helped thousands. What does that mean? What does that mean? Instead of saying, I sat with a family the other week, they had this superannuation sitting with ANZ and they lost approximately $47,000 in the last 18 months. The gentleman's name is XYZ. We're now going through a transition process. Do you see the difference in vocabulary? I've used dates, times, with that client's permission disclosed at least some idea to who they are, name of the organization and structure and the result of that conversation. Be detailed. That's, and, and use that in that pitch through that message or I use a lot of voice messages on LinkedIn as well. I believe tonality is very important. A lot of, a lot of the, unfortunately, and, and I'm not knocking millennials, However, millennials have been served a poor card when it comes to the education around communications. Uh, you, you've been served a poor card. You have. Growing up in technology has both its pros and its cons. However, it has created a bit of a, a sort of a sincerity and tonality disconnect when we're pitching to a market. Be sincere. If you say something, believe it, you've got to mean it. You can't just, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Charles from NGS and I specialize in NGS crypto. That's not going to work. <laughs> so true. You know, I was a personal trainer for seven years, Charles. No one mm. cared about me benching this much. They want to know how much weight did Sarah lose working with your hobby? Mm. How much muscle did Robert put on, right? So um, it, it's really all about the result. But there were times, even, even to this point, I'm sure you've experienced where, um, where you were at the point of almost quitting and, and you experienced failure. You know, you talked you talk a little bit on failure and I kind of want to just like cherry pick off, uh, you know, what you mentioned about failure earlier. And I, I want to hear a little bit more, um, a little bit more personal story of uh, a time where 
you found failure and you flourished from it and from there yeah i uh, i've owned quite a few restaurants and bars over in europe in in sweden actually i had the opportunity i was privileged uh, with some family of mine over in Stockholm. And I was in my barely early 20s. I was, would have been just 23 years of age. And all I had on me was $10,000 US and that was it. And I had to work my butt off. Uh, so I had, a, I had this idea in Sweden, one of the coldest uh, countries I've ever lived in. You know, we've got 11 months of winter over there and four hours of daylight. And... You know, my brother rang me and I was out in Spain doing a bit of PR work for a girlfriend of mine. And he said to me, look, come over to Stockholm. And I said, why would I go to Sweden? Coldest country in the world. So I spent a week in Helsingborg, took the, the ferry across from Copenhagen in Denmark. And I sat there and I said to myself, there's a market here. You know, I was quite, you know, when you, you, you sort of capture that epiphany and you sort of this idea sort of brainstorms, like you're in a shower and you get creative and these ideas come to your head. And I said to myself, where do I go to have some lunch? If I want to order a steak or a burger or some chips. And it, and it occurred to me, I could actually introduce an Australian down under concept to a continent and all of the other end of the in the world where uh, a Scandinavian culture could appreciate a new idea. Now, no citizenship, couldn't speak the language, $10,000 US in my pocket. And I can guarantee you there were moments where I struggled. I, I, I fell into a depression. I was living in a country where the sun wouldn't rise until 10.30 a.m. Mentally, I collapsed. I didn't cope. I fell into a depression. Did I make money in the first pub that I owned and managed? Yes, we turned just under a million dollars US in two years. Gross. Uh, but look, there were several other businesses that did fail. You know, I attempted to take away uh, sort of a, a, we called it Pasta Morte. That was based in Helsingborg. That failed after nine months. And having, I think, the conflicts of the emotional stress that I took on board running any business in hospitality made it 24-7. You're going to lose nights to sleep. The margins aren't that great. And I had a lot of family injection of help. And... I think what tempted and, and this and this kind of kind of broke my family apart in the ways because sometimes in life we just cannot do business with family. We cannot do business with people that are close to us because there's a level of emotion which can kind of temper some of the business uh, operational decisions. So I look, I look, I've I was at a stage in Sweden where I was almost homeless and, and broke and didn't know what to do with the business. Some businesses grew, some businesses, you know, obviously collapsed because it was the wrong idea, wrong point in time or the lack of capital or the marketing wasn't right. 
So I, I, I've had various peaks and troughs throughout my commercial career. And look, coming back to Australia, you know, I've only been back in Australia for the last decade. Didn't have a network here in Australia. Had, knew no one here in Australia and started off in the hospitality environment and had, you know, look, I was privileged from the sale of my businesses overseas to have had a bit of capital here. But even just jumping back to Australia from scratch, I found it difficult here, you know. And then it came to, I said to myself, when you're in a state where you're unemployed and you haven't got a single cent to your name, my best advice to anyone that's listening to this right now is surround yourself with the right people because eventually the right person sitting next to you, they're going to look at you and say, you know what? He's got some raw talent. He's bankable. I'm going to invest in this particular individual. So I did exactly that. I was sitting at a bar uh, in George Street here in Sydney, and I, and I had a couple of IT gurus. There are a couple of engineers, and they looked at me and said, Charles, you, you look after yourself. I can see you're sort of struggling there. You've only had one drink tonight. How about I buy you a, a real drink? And I, I confess, look, I'm just trying to go out and make friends. I don't have a lot of money to support myself. And they looked at me and said, you know what? I'd like to have you on my team. We work in technology. So, you know, I had no experience in technology. I had no experience in real estate. So one conversation and one career path led to networking, meeting new people, growing more connections, and it just transpired from there to where I am today. You know, Charles, that is a beautiful story, man. That is beautiful. Oh. It it's oh my gosh i i could tell you now i see the power of networking and connecting already i i see i see the value of it i actually connected and met my uh mentor and friend uh mac burnett of powerful impact next month makes a year and i met him at a networking event in manhattan that i commuted two hours to go to and i'm glad i did because that was a networking event that changed my life that was the one that changed my life. Yeah, you know, I connected with someone like that and it, that showed me so many different hack strategies with business. And that's been around when 9-11, when we had that crash back then in 2008, which of course leads me into my next question. I'm, I would say I'm a little young with the whole 2008 and the, and the 9-11 and uh, the economy in the economy in terms of just what happened in the last recent years. But, you know, of course, coming into this pandemic, this is my, quote, first recession as an adult, quote, unquote. Um, I'm sure for you, um, of course, 2008, I'm sure was a little different. Um, wh what, what have you learned from COVID? This is going to be two questions. What have you learned from this recent pandemic? And is there any similarities between this recent pandemic and any recessions that you've experienced in the past? Yeah, well, let's look at, let's go back to, let's take a bit of a step in history and look at the global financial crisis and the creation of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We had uh, Wachovia, uh, Lehman Brothers and Washington Mutual. All three of the top financial institutions in 08 went bankrupt and closed. Now, comparing it to COVID, now, 
it took us a, a good decade to recover from uh, the GFC. COVID is 100 times worse than the global financial crisis. Now, without to alarm anyone, and that's in a sense where one or two things will come away from this current recession is this. COVID has enforced change. We don't have a choice anymore. You either pivot or you stick with a traditional mindset. It ain't gonna cut it in years to come because we're looking at other, other means of exchange when it comes to uh, you know, buying, purchasing, selling, and everything else. How cryptocurrencies and other models will provide a potential buffer for the current economy. So the global financial crisis, you know, you know, is when I uh, came back to Australia and fortunate enough from, from the acquisition of a, and the sale of some commercial businesses that I've owned, I kind of had a bit of a kick start and felt I still need to network. But now things are completely different, you know, where, no, we're not seeing any financial institutions in the US coming to a closure, but if we look at JP Morgan Chase, they're the largest. They've invested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Uh, Warren Buffett this year. Now, Warren Buffett, God, he couldn't stand the subject surrounding Bitcoin. Couldn't stand the subject. He, he knocked it. He goes, Bitcoin, oh, it's crap. It's rubbish. However, JP Morgan Chase, uh, in the last two years, has moved well over $6 trillion in Bitcoin alone throughout his uh, centralized ecosystem. So I, I say to myself, how do we recover from the current recession? Adapt to emerging markets. Start looking at, step out of your comfort zone. And, and because right now, financially, the world, the, see, the world doesn't have to be in trouble. It actually isn't in a lot of trouble when you think about it, because if you if you accept Forex, if you accept gold, if you accept Bitcoin, if you accept property, but in the right areas, implementing the correct and adequate strategies, you will fly through this current recession. I, I have made an absolute fortune in a crisis in a pandemic and people look at me and go, what? I, my business has grown exponentially this year, not to brag, but there's a point to what I'm trying to say here. Everyone, the point is I don't buy what I like. I buy, I invest in what makes money. That's the key core ingredient. And I surround myself with successful business owners and successful entrepreneurs, and being a student of Jay Ibrahim, uh, Tony Robbins, and Bob Proctor, I am myself a learning student on a day-to-day -day level where I can present what are my learnings to my, my students and my peers. So we don't have to be in a lot of trouble in the next few years. On the condition, we accept new technologies, blockchain, Blockchain is now a growing topic. What is blockchain? And 
hedging against the traditional normal, guys, you know, the world's changed. And change isn't a bad thing. Change allows time for personal growth. It allows time for discovery. It allows us the opportunity to learn and embark on different things. People say, oh, but I'll stick to what I know. It's what you actually don't know that can make all the, the positive impacts to your life. And what you don't understand, people tend to say, oh, it can lead to uncertainty. Well, what you don't understand, well, then why not learn more about it opposed to objecting and rejecting the idea? So COVID has stretched us and said, well, what do we do next? Well, if what's, you know, you're, what you used to understand that's currently sort of been put on hold, embark on new journeys, meet some new people, learn about different things, read a book, actually pick up a book and read it. Make some goals, but use a pen and paper and write those goals down and you'll see the difference it will make on your life. Creating wealth starts up here. It's a mindset, that's all it is. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to finish uni. You don't even have to pay me. You can, if I can do this, anyone can do this. It's a matter of, I'm sick of being broke. We're in a recession, we're in a pandemic. You know what? I'm gonna do things differently from now on. I'm gonna to talk to professionals I don't know, and I'm gonna to talk to professionals about different ideas. Start thinking differently, and you'll see your bank balances will change. We, one thing, I'm a firm believer, our bank balance, our balance sheets are a ref reflection of us on the brand of business. They are. If I'm, if I'm creating wealth and my clients this year, they're looking at me and going, I can't believe we've dived and, and scaved this entire 2020. And they have, my clients have been fortunate because Bitcoin is an emerging market and it's been on the climb because traditional models have failed. So thank you to COVID, my clients have had a successful year. The sad part is how do we how do we get the minority of the world on board and thinking, you know what? I've just got to try something different. And that's 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 a secret to the next couple of years. That's all it is. Really getting really getting uncomfortable really getting uncomfortable, really like really rolling up your sleeves, getting uncomfortable, yeah. grinding and gritting. Um, yeah. Like, as I told you before, I, I was struggling with real estate for, for some odd reason. I, I have, I've been doing sales since I was 14, but it was just like, it was Charles, it was just the silliest thing. And it's like, you're overthinking and it's like, I'm tied to a plastic chair. Like the chair is going to move as long as I move. And um, so I started doing these cold calls. And one of the things I started to do to like, kind of like hack myself is to record myself and give myself more accountability. And like you said, write these things down, write these goals down. I said, you know what? I'm not done until I make 200 calls today until I book five appointments. I don't care. Right. And um, yeah, just not taking no for an answer. And, 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 and I think, that, that's another thing with people. When you get to that point, when you're just tired of failing 
and you're just ready to roll those sleeves up and enough's enough. And you're literally at your breaking point. It's either suffer or succeed. And I rather not suffer. I rather succeed. And, you know, kudos to your point, you know, connect with people that you don't know, connect with inspirational people. I like maybe two people I've interviewed on this podcast since I've launched it, I know. But since then, I've, I'm 15 episodes in. I was originally going to launch this podcast, Charles, in the fall season. I'm glad I did it over the summer. And it, again, it, it put me in a brand new light. It showed me more that I could do. It, it gave me the opportunity to have a platform to you know, sit down with inspirational individuals like you and really just uh, soaking everything from the education standpoint that you really broke down with, um, with blockchain, Bitcoin, residential real estate, Airbnbs, and what have you. But I always say, what good is information if you don't apply it? So if someone's listening to this episode and, and Charles hit a lot of good talking points and you're really not applying this, you got to go back and look at this again. You got to stream it again and again and again. Um, yeah, th this one this one was really good. But, you know, I, I, do, I don't want to let you go just yet, Charles. You know, I do have um, uh, another question for you. You know, where do, uh, you know, for some, and I, man, I really don't want anyone to feel bad hearing this right now. Um, for those who didn't accomplish much in this time and are feeling resentful and giveful, what, what positive words can you tell them to like, hey, that's enough, let's go? My suggestion to those that have struggled incredibly, take your time, um, eat well, sleep well, speak to, get, get some help, some counseling isn't a bad idea. Drink lots of water. Stay off the cigarettes and tobacco and alcohol. Reduce that. Go for early morning walks. Get up early. If you look at the common traits of the wealthy, I haven't slept in. I don't, I don't know how to I feel guilty sleeping. Getting up early. Read some books. Get away from that television set. Get away from the news. You know, if you're going to be in front of a monitor, look at some YouTube channels, look at some motivational videos, get on the phone and speak to some counsellors, get in touch with some friends, go out, go for a walk. Go, if you can be by the water, because I live by, I'm privileged to live here in Cabarita Wharf. I'm in a beautiful home. I live right by the sea. So I go for my morning walks every morning, get closer to the ocean, get by some water. reason why I say this being by the ocean, it's a refresh. Uh, it recharges the battery. Getting a good night's sleep and drinking lots of water. Don't panic. Don't give up. You're not alone. And just be honest with yourself. Acknowledging the failure. And start, grab a pad Start making some notes. Where do you want to be? Do I go out? Look, to those that are struggling and unemployed, don't panic. Don't go out chasing a job. That would probably be your own detriment. Go out and learn something. Go and finesse your skills. If you've got a dream, focus on that bloody dream. Focus on the dream. Do you want to be a musician? You want to be a painter? 
you want to be an artist, you want to be a mechanic, you want to be a writer, go and focus on that dream. Don't chase the money. It doesn't work that way anymore. 20 years ago, it did. My first business, I had $10,000 US. I'm telling you now, I got lucky. I got lucky. I admit that because I winged it. I got lucky. I started in my early 20s. The world was a different place. $1,000 US was a lot of money back then. Now, it's not. The rules have changed. You've got to learn to work smarter and not harder. Not dismissing hard work, but with the right practice and the right activities with discipline. Get up early, read books. Get off the online audios, read books and start roadmapping. Get a whiteboard. Where do I want to be in the next three months? Who do I need to speak to to achieve it? If I'm not feeling mentally well, go to a doctor. A doctor will say, Charles, snap out of it. Drink more water. Go and eat yourself some healthy food. Get yourself some help. Don't be shy to seek counselling. I've done it. I've had a lot of therapy over the years. Absolutely. Don't tell me successful people don't. We need help. We've got teachers as well. I can't train my team without training myself. It's impossible. And I'm learning by the day. And there's no get rich scheme overnight. It doesn't exist. People want to be wealthy. There's a process. It takes time. Be patient. Be good to yourself. What a journey. Uh, what a journey this is going to be. This is really exciting, you know, to, um, to, to have a dream, to have a vision, to, to, to have mm. this level of belief in something and, mm. and, and, and to really just see it on the other side. And I'm at a point in terms of entrepreneurship, Charles, that I did not come this far to come this far. Right. I've I've put all my chips in. I quit working on Equinox and Wall Street. I've left working at Westchester. Right. I've walked away from all these fitness corporation jobs. I've you know, I was doing fitness for seven years. That's all I knew. Right. I took the I took the risk when I left to pursue speaking. So so glad I did it. I am so glad I did it because if I didn't, I would have been in a position where they were making budget cuts and boom, I would have been cut. But the podcast podcasting has kept me afloat during a pandemic along with forex which has been really interesting right just um finding a strategy finding what works just like a workout routine um you know with with, with the forex if i'm you know if i'm doing say you know the euro against the yen or the pound against the yen or whatever the currency appears i'm sticking with a strategy that works for me like you said waking up every day early in the morning that's why the networking event 250 in the morning wasn't really a problem cuz you know with forex it's all over the place in terms of time zones so i'm already up a custom at 4am i used to train personal training clients at 4am so for me i'm like okay i don't work for anyone anymore i work for me how bad do you want to be successful yahavi set your alarm 250am boom i had my red light going that day I jumped in on the call, but to really just hear this message today, I don't hear this message if I didn't set that alarm for 2.50 in the morning. That just speaks, that, that I don't want to credit my own self, but I usually don't do that, but yo, it, it really, no one hears this message from Charles if Yahavi does not get up at 2.50 in the morning. 
that's dedication. Like that's how much I want to be successful. And out of all the people that was in that virtual networking event, out of all of them, Charles is here on the St. Clair Speak Show. And to hear his story, to hear his level of innovation is really inspiring, really inspiring. So in terms of just like mindset coaching, um, I know you're a mindset coach, but in terms of this, this pandemic, and I, don't, I can't even say it's towards the end, um, from the coaching perspective, is there, a, is there things that you're learning about you now that you never knew before? Well, yeah, look, certainly, um, you know, understanding, uh, you know, having to adapt to offshore markets uh, as an investor myself, uh, you know, stepping out of the, the local domestic sort of time zone. Uh, I've learned to be more patient. Uh, I think that's a big factor I can take away this year um, because I, I live in quite a, Sydney's a very rushed, high-tempered environment. So I've learned to be more humble. I've learned to be a lot more patient. I've also learned to be a better listener. Um, I think being a, being a, and really listen to what others, their journeys, their stories and their needs and their wants and their struggles. And, and look, just with, look, with the current pandemic, it's going to require a lot of patience, a lot of time, uh, a lot of nurturing, and just making sure that we're, surrounding ourselves with positive vibes and good people you know you know try to avoid spruikers uh try to avoid people that are robotic or mechanical in their tonality with you there's a lot of sales jockeys there's a lot of marketers especially on linkedin they're trying to spruik a product try to avoid trolls and spruikers because they're not going to help you uh life's you know, COVID has posed enough challenges. We need positive uh, and the right energy levels around us so we can make the right decisions and we can communicate and exhaust our time in a way where positive thinking, right, tomorrow I'm going to take up another hobby or go out and play a sport. You know, I'm looking to, you know, getting back into the gym and playing the sport, going back and playing golf and tennis uh, this summer. So being active again, I think will be, is one of my goals, you know, getting out there, getting out in the boat, going sailing again, all those things, which obviously we've had those restrictions here in Australia. So it's not all doom and gloom. However, for us to really recover economically, financially, and mentally, we need to accept change and we need to accept this pivot. We need to realize that we are all, including myself, we're all students right now because we've got leaders around the world. Look at Trump. He was, you know, diagnosed positive with COVID, unexpected. Donald Trump has had to go through this journey at a personal level himself. And I can assure you, he's gone through, look, yes, he has, may have said a few things. Not going to discourage. I don't believe any president or any leader was given the opportunity 
or the adequate systems or resources to really nurture this pandemic to a full. No one was prepared for this. Everyone has done the best that they can with the team and the resources and the knowledge and the skills that they were presented for them. So I believe the world has done the best that they can. So now it's a matter of take each day at a time process. If you're looking to make money overnight, I'm not the professional for you. I'm not going to be the right fit for you. There's no get out of trouble. It takes hard work. If I want to be fit and healthy, I've got to go to the gym, not once, not twice. I've got to be consistent at the gym if I want to be healthy. There is a process. Results take time. If I'm mentally unwell, counselling, go back to the counsellor. Be consistent. There's no one-off ticket here, guys. It takes time. It takes hard work. One thing I can take away from Arnold Schwarzenegger, Muhammad Ali, hard work. Uh, you can't beat that. You can't beat hard work. Beat it. You can't beat it. Even talent doesn't beat hard work. Believe that. Oh. You could be a talented person in the world, the most talented person in the world, but you have no work ethic. No one's going to hear about you. And activity and action. You know, you can be the most knowledgeable person in the world. Act. Make decisions. Take risk. Whoever's listening to this right now, if you want, if you want to be financially free, if you want to be healthy, you want to be fit, there's going to be risk involved. Got to get up early. You're going to have a personal trainer at the gym. They're going to push you hard. They're going to take some physical. There's risk everywhere in life, guys. Stop trying to be comfortable. Doesn't exist. Saving money. Fund Look. When it comes to saving money, I'm not going to dismiss it. But for, for those that have generated some level of income and just want to continue saving, a little bit of a tip, saving is not a fundamental of ours, not a fundamental of mine and not a fundamental of wealthy. And there's a reason for that. If you've saved or generated a little bit of an income, understand we are in a recession. You've got to move that money around. That'll be your ticket to the next stage in the process. And you're going to be uncomfortable. There is going to be a certain level of risk. But if you want to get into my shoes right now, I can tell you something now. Majority of the decisions I've made, mate, I was uncomfortable. And I took the risk. You risk more by not taking the risk? Exactly. Take the risk. Take the risk. You're going to fail. I failed. I failed, but I succeeded as well. There's a you know, majority more successes than failures. And I learned, just be around the right people. So as you say, you know, if you, if you associate yourself with the unemployed, I can guarantee you're going to stay unemployed. If you associate yourselves at, you know, professional traders like yourself, professionals in Bitcoin like myself, or professionals in property like myself, that success story so, you know, what did Charles do differently? What's he doing differently that I can sort of potentially copy or replicate? Or, or is, is the idea or model scalable? Ask those questions. And then potentially inject those models into your lifestyles moving forward.
but yeah, start getting uncomfortable. You know, because this pandemic, it's not going anywhere soon. It's it's COVID is going to be around for a good two to three years. That's going to have an impact on financial markets. It's not over yet, guys. We've got Christmas coming up. Christmas with two quarters of GDP at a record low. We're heading into a commercial trough, not a peak. So next year is going to be a year of really making informed decisions and really making sure that I have adequate professionals around me, not spruikers, but expertise and having access to that expertise is so important. And that's the access I give my markets to. So it's, it feels like, oh man, uh, survival, survival of the fittest at this point going into these next few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I do want to uh, leave you with this final question. So how do you go about like, who is your, you know, your, your, your target audience um, that, you know, the people that you want to work with um, hopefully anyone in streaming this episode of the San Clark Speaks to a podcast, of course, um, reaches out, of course, to Charles Rossetto. Charles, where can, who is your target audience and where can uh, they find more of your work, what you do, and where can people connect with you? Okay, so people connect with, can obviously through LinkedIn. I've got uh, my own YouTube channel for various uh, financial tips and techniques, uh, sales training and mentoring as well. But uh, look, you know, in terms of markets, I've got a soft spot for, for a lot of the working class. I want to help the poor. I want to help, I want to help the unemployed. Now, the unemployed and the poor tend to uh, sort of think, oh, it's too late or it's too hard. I can motivate those that have really struggled this year from a mindset perspective Let's get that income generated first and I will handhold you and I will take you to the next stage. It's never too late for anyone to start. Typically, a lot of investors uh, that I work with have lost money. They've been impacted. Either they've made redundant or they've lost money through various, through various uh, market systems and strategies out there and they come to me for tips, techniques, and advice. So it could be a, a millennial that's looking to start up, looking to build a sales environment, and they're generating an income. They want a bit of cash flow, a bit of passive income on the side. Or it could be someone from, you know, generate generation X or Y that have a stable income, have been working, but are unsure. They've looked at property, they've looked at trade models. They've looked at Bitcoin, but a little bit. Do I buy real estate in Australia? Do I buy real estate in the US? Where to buy? What are the driving factors? Do I buy a property near an airport? Do I buy a property because it's low value? So I'm there to answer all those questions and really, really put a plan together. But the, I guess what it comes down to, being financially free. You know, if money were no object, do I go on a holiday? Do I buy that car? Do I buy that home? Bike? Whatever the case may be. And that freedom 
leads to a better lifestyle, better quality friendships, access to resources, and really provides opportunity. So powerful, man. So powerful. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles, thank you again for uh, stopping by on this episode of the St. Clair Special Podcast. You had so much talking points that really resonated with me. And I'm glad that I got this interview because, you know, you're, you, you were saying like, yeah, if anyone's listening to this, I'm like, I'm listening to I'm listening. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there are going to be certain professionals in various markets that would have cringed to some of my, uh, you know, sort of, sort of reality checks. Uh, you and, and I say this to, to our global stage right now, the world has changed. Traditional models are grooming more and more redundant by the day. The mentality behind our banking system, our financial markets, talks behind the scene in government. I can guarantee you right now their conversations are changing by the minute. We are looking and diet. We've got to think, start getting, I'll tell you what, listen to me right now. You need to start getting, start, stop being comfortable. You want to be healthy? Go to the gym. You want to be fit? You want to be financially free? Stop being, stop this, oh, but it's going to be safe. I've never suggested a strategy that's going to send you bankrupt and broke. But I tell you something now, want to be free? Start having a million dollar mindset. Stop being comfortable. It does, the world does not cooperate with us. Look at climate change. It's not cooperating with us anymore, nor is nor our financial markets. None of our markets are going to cooperate with us anymore. So we've really got to work with the pivot. And, and, and look, You'll discover, you'll embark on a journey that's completely out of the ordinary and completely out of the realms of what you're typically designed. You think, wow, I learned something completely different. I can now implement the strategy into my lifestyle, be feel better, have a bit of freedom, buy some time to do what I want to do and live the lifestyle I want. That's what I present to my markets on a day-to-day level. And I've had some hard word, I've, I've had some really hard conversations with my clients over the years and say, look, I love Charles as I was comfortable with him. I don't want your business because you feel comfortable. No, it doesn't work that way. If you want to lose weight, you want to be healthy, you want, you, you want to be the superstar, or you want to be financially free, you think Warren Buffett is comfortable? Do you think Tony Robbins goes on stage, he's comfortable? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yes, there's a, there's a variance. I'm not suggesting go out and do something stupid or have a high-risk skiver, but you've got to, we've got to step out of these comfort zones. If you've got to get up at 5 a.m. to beat that sunlight and go for that jog, this is going to add that extra hour to your day. Damn it, do it. Do it for you. Do it for your family. Do it for your loved ones. Be an inspiration. Be knowledgeable. Knowledge is so important. And really start listening to the right people. Start listening to people that want to help you as well. 
and be authentic. You know, cut the BS. Stop trying to sell a product. Be, if you genuinely want to help another person, they will work with you. Stop asking people to work. People will organically come to you. If you're genuine and authentic in what you do, people will come to you. Being me brought me here. That's pretty much it, man. I, I'm, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. And for just anyone listening, be yourself. Believe me, being you could open up a lot more doors than you think. Um, again, Charles, thank you for stopping by on the Saint Clair Speaks Your Podcast. But before I let you go, Charles, I want, I want, if you have any more closing words that you want to um, end this episode off with, I'll take a minute or two. The floor is yours, of course. We'll just end off here. Yeah, I'd like to say the thank you. Uh, having a absolute honour and privilege to have met with yourself today and to have had uh, given me the opportunity to share an exchange some history and background and hopefully hopefully our audience today can take a snippet or take something out of today's conversation i really do and just be brave be courageous have some fun as well start laughing again um you know listen to some comedy get yourself some help don't be shy to reach out raise your hand Ladies and gentlemen, need some help. Stop being proud and stubborn. I say this specifically to the Australian public. Stop being stubborn. Stop being proud. We all need help. We all need to stick together. We need to start working together again, culturally together again. It's what we need to do. And, and really, change is beautiful. Oh, embrace it. Enjoy it. Try something different. I swear, without change, with, with, this is just grace under pressure. Just grace under pressure. Uh, wow, just grace. I'm, I'm, again, I'm so grateful for this interview. So much gems. I'm going to play this one back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's true. It, it's raw. It, it's real life, man. You know, again, you know, I failed my way here. You know, you, you know, you filled your way into your position and you flourished from it. You turned those lessons into blessings. You're impacting lives. You're educating people and you're having fun. And mm -hmm. I was talking about, I was talking about fun for the last few days. Fun. You said the word fun. Oh, Talk about fun. After. Life is too short. Enjoy yourselves. Go out and make some friends, new friends, new people. Invite your current friends. Say good morning. When you leave your home in the morning, walking down the street, and you see a neighbor walking the dog, say good morning. Put a smile on their face. Start smiling again. Make a difference. Ask questions. And this goes to our audience on, on LinkedIn. Start being curious. Yes, passion is a great thing. I'll never take being passionate away. But I'll tell you something now, be, being curious. Start being a little bit more curiosity. Start showing an interest in others. Will take you a long, long way in life. This is the St. Clair Speak Show. <laughs>